0: Good morning. Happy Friday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Uh, for those of you on the two-week sprint, this is your review and reflection weekend. Time to break out your notebook. Make sure that all of your projects are on track and you're making the progress that you desire. Um, reflection, important. Uh, one of the most important things for learning as well. Uh, digging into today's Q and A. This is with Zach. So Zach's working with an offensive lineman uh, playing uh, American football. For those of you outside of the United States, um, he's got pain with uh, bench press with a barbell. So I believe, if memory serves, uh, he was having like uh, shoulder pain where, say, Peck major might attach um, with the bench press. But when he uses dumbbells, he doesn't have that pain. And so what this question allows us to do is break down a few things about bench pressing, um, about offensive linemen, little things like that. But but a lot of technical uh, um, issues associated with the difference between a barbell and, and the dumbbells and then how the barbell limits our capacity to access certain spaces and then how we produce force. And so a little bit of powerlifting mentioned in this as well. So those of you who uh, like to just talk about bench press, like to do bench press, or like to learn about bench press, this is going to be a good question for you. So thank you, Zach. Everybody have an outstanding uh, Friday. Make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Um, check out the Reconsider podcast with uh, yours truly and, and Chris Wykas, And then we will see you next week. Um, so offensive linemen
1: um that gets bilateral like what he calls like pec pain kind of like right in here on either side Doing Um, like bilateral like pec area pain anytime he gets over 200 pounds barbell benching um which for him he says is a weight he should be able to do for like 10 to 15 reps um i think he's leaving me two clues in his history and i think i can figure out one of them but not the other um So the first is he can go as heavy as he wants dumbbell with no symptoms. Um, and when he does that, he's kind of like, he benches like more like at his side. Um, the other thing that he says is that when he, if he like pushes himself on the barbell to struggle through like a rep a little bit from a difficulty standpoint, um, left arm pretty much always locks out first. And like the bar is almost tipped to the right as the right arm finishes through. So just wanna like confirm my thinking a little bit for the first part of that. Like it just seems that with the dumbbells, he's able to keep the ER space and he can get a yield through those tissues versus the barbell locks him into IR and then couple that with like up to a certain weight, the motor output interferes with the yield also. Is that an accurate interpretation of that first part of it?
0: Okay to descend the bar to your chest. All right.
2: What, what do you need first? In terms of what?
0: Okay, so I got to get, I got to get a, uh, we're using a barbell first, okay? So um, for me to lower the bar to my chest, okay? hmm what do I what what do I need? Like I have to have the capacity to what to get the bar to my chest.
1: like uh, I need I need to get eccentric
2: orientation of like everything anterior now. Not sure. I am moving into a space. So I need the I need the ER space initially. Yes, sir. Okay.
0: So what does a barbell do that dumbbells don't?
1: Takes away a lot of the ER.
0: Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. Right? I am fixing my hands in an internally rotated position mm-hmm. by holding onto the barbell. So this, this is one of the reasons why one of the first things you do when people come in with like hip and shoulder pain is that you take away barbell exercises because they immediately reduce your capacity to access ER space. That's why the dumbbells are more comfortable, because what he can do is he can compensate for his for his inability to access ER. So he orients more into ER and now he's less symptomatic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. You see it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now, when I'm pressing out of that ER space, what do you got to use? The IR. IR. And that's the compression anteriorly. Okay. But but what, what you're going to have to do for him to access that space, you have to get the ER. Now, here's the problem. Um, he's an offensive lineman. Okay. Uh, he's laying on the bench and he's got a big heavy weight in his hands. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, and I bet he arches his back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: So, so you've got to. This is this is one of the reasons why you'll see the, like the the big differences in. Um, uh, do you read any of the powerlifting literature? No, No. Okay. Um. Craig Robbins, did you powerlift? Yes. Okay. I mean, you're just a big, gigantic, human, muscular guy. So it's like, okay, that's the assumption, right? If you're <laughs> tall, you play basketball. And if you're a big, muscular guy, you're a powerlifter. Um, um, classic West Side Louis Simmons recommendation um, for upper extremity position in a bench press would be what?
3: Boulder blades depressed as much as possible.
0: what would be the what would be the angle of the humerus relative to the to the midline of the body? Do I want my elbows out here West side style? They teach they teach the elbows in position
3: right? Yeah I mean I guess I would teach probably elbows need to stay under the wrists and depending on where your touch point is.
0: I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, like the the big power lifters, right? That they don't want to tear pecs and stuff. They tend to yeah. bring their they tend to bring their elbows towards their sides more when they're bench pressing.
3: Yeah, and hit the yeah. long, especially especially west side because they're probably using like shirts.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was I was literally gonna gonna say to Zach is tell your offensive lineman to take the bench press shirt off. And I know he's not probably probably not wearing one, but he's benching like he like he like he probably has one built in. You know what I mean? He's getting like, getting the compression that he would get from the shirt. So so what, what he's able to do, Zach, with the uh, with the dumbbells is he's able to position his arms to to create a a more ER-oriented humoral position. Right. That buys him a space to descend into, then he can go, then he can use his IR to to press the weight. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you've got to get you've got to get him some more legit er, okay, because it's disappearing yeah. rather rapidly. If if how big is this guy?
1: Uh big boy. Uh he's probably like 6'2, six, 6'3. Six, Gotta be like 260, 280.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, he should probably be able to do 15 reps with 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, he should be, he should be so here's
0: to- the thing. Here's the thing about offensive linemen is you kind of want them smushed.
1: Yeah. I feel like if, to the point, like smushed, but not to interfere with what he needs to do. So like, final. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cause I don't want him to turn well, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause if he gets turned, then the quarterback is counting how many lights there are on the uh, light poles on the sidelines, you know, cause he's looking up all the time. He's laying on his back. Uh, so uh yeah. So you're going to have to you're going to, have to recapture the ER here. All
1: right. Gotcha. Then, okay. He,
0: he just doesn't have, a, he doesn't have a space to lower the weight when he is fixed in the IR representation. Okay.
1: That that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what's, what's going on with the left arm locking out first and like consistently in terms of like, as he's completing his bench press, you like it almost, I don't know. Like, this is like it almost seems like a representation, like of the oblique that he's on.
0: It is. It's exactly what it is.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So it's just the, like the muscle, the muscle activity that drives him on the oblique is just manifesting through the bar, essentially.
0: Yeah. Like um, so. Uh, hold your left arm straight out in front of you, and then hold your right arm kind of straight out in front of you, but lower
2: is that i'm just turned
0: and yeah there it is all right yep yep very helpful Mm -hmm. thank you you're welcome sir good morning happy monday i have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect all right a quick reminder uh the reconsider podcast is up um This round, we are talking about uh, Reconsider Weight Loss. It is up on the YouTube channel, so please go there. Check it out on on YouTube. Remember to like and subscribe to the channel. It's also wherever you listen to your podcasts. Digging into today's Q&A, this is with Alex. Alex is working with a patient. Uh, that has bilateral anterior knee pain primarily at the so-called patellar ligament aka patellar tendon depending on your perspective Um, both would be acceptable under the circumstances but typically what we're dealing with here is a lot of external rotation through the system so alex gives us a little bit of a hint where he was talking about um, certain elements where Uh, capturing the right foot position so we capture this first metatarsal head on the ground and the patient experiences a reduction in symptoms and so what this tells us is we've got way too much urine in the system we capture the IR legitimately and now we can actually reduce the load that's going through the anterior knee and so now what Alex needs to do is, is determine What is the sequence of events here? We've got a relationship from from the proximal femur to the distal femur that has to be accounted for um, in regards to the the differentiation between ER and IR. We also have a relationship between the distal femur and the proximal tibia um, to address as well. Um, You're gonna use a heel to butt uh, knee measurement under this circumstance to help you identify knee position and then your traditional measures of proximal hip orientation um, will come into play as well. The key element, we talk about this in the the video, is making sure that we're delivering uh, a legitimate relative motion IR into the ground so we avoid a compensatory strategy. Because we can alleviate symptoms with a compensatory IR strategy under some circumstances, but we're not solving the problem. Um, So this is a really good one for those of you dealing with the, the mechanical anterior knee pain issues. Thank you, Alex. Great question. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I'll see you tomorrow
3: i am working with a 16 year old kid (laughs) much better lateral patellar ligament pain and i i had him do like just a depth drop and he was saying it hurt his knees and then with getting the first metatarsal head on the ground it does not hurt his knees when he when he does the landing so shocker but i was curious as to, like what exactly, or like the path of the wave as it goes through these structures mm-hmm. between those two situations, if you could go over that,
0: okay, so so think about the think about the um, the structural result if i if I take the patella, okay, and I pull it superior laterally, okay. Um, and then picture the attachment of the, and thank you for saying patella ligament, by the way, that, that clarifies so many things, um, which is always nice. It doesn't matter to me in the end, but ultimately it is technically by design a ligament. Um, so, but think about the direction that it's going to pull, it, it's going to pull the patella ligament, right, under the circumstance, and then the twist that it's going to create. Okay, so you're twisting the towel superior and lateral. So it's it's turning as it's getting pulled superiorly and lateral. Okay, got it. Yeah. Were you
3: just showing?
0: In my head, I was turning. I was turning the patella laterally and superiorly. Okay. Is that a left knee? The patella. If the patella was to dislocate, if the patella was to dislocate laterally, it would be that direction. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, so you got a big twist going through there, right? All right, which is which is which is why it's uncomfortable, right? Um, when he does anything that would be, you know, high force, bouncy kind of a thing, right? You capture the IR, you bring the patella back towards the center. So, so now you're redirecting ir towards the center of the pelvis so so when you've got this er representation everything's going to follow the 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 turn of the er um we talk about this like with like low back pain si joint stuff and, and things like that for people that that have this this proximal er representation because that's what that's the direction that the energy is going to go it's just it's going to follow that er and it's going to go around the sort of the backside and pop them in the back right? under this circumstance, you've got a ton of ER, he lands on it, and literally, that wave is going to pull the patella with it, right, so, so, if you, if you were, if you were standing next to him, and you grab a hold of his, it's a female,
3: male,
0: yeah, uh, you, you grab his patella, and if you pulled it superior laterally, that's, that's where the energy is taking it, and that's where the twist is, okay, by reorienting it, capturing the IR, you don't have the, the directionality towards ER. You have more direction towards IR, which again, brings all of this force back towards the pelvis. But the the, the thing that's going on is because you're adding the IR back, the patella is not getting dragged that way. You're not choking off the patellar ligament, right? You're You're actually giving it slack. It's not really slack per se. It's just a reduction in tension, right? You're giving it, um uh, number one more extensibility because it's starting from a less lengthened position right you you gave it the p- capacity to yield so now you have a distributed force through through the the patellar ligament
3: okay so um as he lands onto the ground and his knee bends yes uh, if he's not capturing the first metatarsal head he's he's Starting from a like a pre-tensiled twist through the ligament, yep. as the knee bends, it has just less available extensibility, and then you're going to hit that that full tension pain experience. That is correct, sir. Okay, so we get like a little bit of untwisting just by getting the appropriate joint positions.
0: Yeah, so that, that so, might buy enough. Okay, uh, we can. <sighs> We can use, I'm going to say it wrong again. Is it Yuzha?
2: Tell me Ujia. again. Yuzha. Yu Yuzha, yeah.
0: Okay. We're going to use Yuja's question, okay, where we're talking about the differential between the ER and the IR in, in the femur itself, okay? When you don't capture first metatarsal head, you have the distal femur that's getting dragged towards ER, which is what's bringing everything with it relative to the tibia. Right, so it's still pulling everything towards towards ER. Tibia is coming too. It's just that the, the 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 femur is getting dragged way out with it. That's bringing the patella with it. By capturing first metatarsal head, you're going to bring that distal femur more towards the IR representation, which is what's going to redirect the energy towards the center of the palms.
3: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So you you got a little untwisting to do cause here's what you here's what you don't want. He could still use a compensatory IR strategy and probably alleviate symptoms
2: Got to be careful. Like
3: like what? What do you mean? Like what? Like compensatory IR strategy. You mean I- like like arches back?
0: Yeah. like like, like, yeah, he he could still create an IR substitution that would prevent the the. The wicked er from from taking the patella so far uh laterally right mm-hmm. okay so you just got to be careful that and again your your measurements will will lead you right they'll tell you when you're capturing the relative motions just got to be really really careful like like don't don't get like excited about oh we captured a whole bunch of ir did the er change well not really right you know what i mean right. it's like because again, it's like, he j- he created a substitution that alleviated a symptom, but did you solve the problem? It's like, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. So just be careful with that. Right. Okay. But yeah, you got the right idea. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neuro coffee in hand
3: and it is perfect. Morning. Um, so I'm trying to be like lazier about doing table tests, i.e. not doing them. (laughs) So, Um, so so when you're making the turnaround from bringing like a wide back on the right to going on the oblique, um, I'm trying to get a better visual representation for like what I should be able to see when I can just make the next move. Uh So let's take like a, a cable chop for example oh. is it more than just getting the foot contacts and seeing that they can be comfortably on their heel or is, is that more like just the starting conditions i need to bring them back what would be to the, take a yeah. few breaths and like see the sacral base move back okay hang on a second so
0: do you want the sacral base to move back when you're bringing a wide back on the right hand side first Ian says no,
3: so he's helping you. I'm going to go with Ian. <laughs> I mean, we're getting IR, so I guess.
0: Where's where do you need the delay to be first? So, so let's just say you got a wide ISA that is also forward on the right hand side. So he's lost the right hip IR. Okay, so we're going to try to bring him back on the right hand side to drop that center center gravity towards the the right heel. Okay. If you capture a good foot position, you've got a really good shot at, at achieving your goal, but what would be the representation in the pelvis that you would be shooting for here? Um, do I want a sacral base to counter-nutate or do I want to create a delay in the posterior outlet?
3: Oh yeah, outlet. Be-
0: there you go. So so that's going to be the association that you want to start to make on that right-hand side before you try to make a left-hand turn, okay? You follow?
3: If if I get sacral Base, am I just orienting them? Um
0: if you get sacral base to what? To heel. Sorry. Okay. So um under what circumstance? So if if you've got an uh, if you've got a, a foot position to capture the right uh medial heel. Okay, and you're mm-hmm. trying to capture the IR. And you get this and you see the sacral base moving posteriorly
3: i would guess that's probably just an orientation driven from uh, the lumbar spine uh, there you go
0: so you tilted yeah you tilted the pelvis backwards
3: yeah okay yeah. that makes sense so that's
0: not now. it'll look like you can capture the foot contacts because you're still making you're still making a space to drop the foot down inside Okay. But you're not going to recapture your relative motion at the head. Right. You see yeah. it?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so this is why you gotta this is why you gotta be a little bit careful. This is why table step table tests can still be helpful. Right. But I mean you don't have to use them. But but it, it the, like if you have a question in your mind, that's when that would go back right.
3: to yeah, control. yeah. So I'm I'm just looking to see the outlet open. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay,
0: yeah it's so like if you were to watch them squat, if you were to watch them squat after you do that activity, you would see it
3: like it would just it would open more as they descend,
0: yeah, it, it, and and to be honest with you, it may actually track them to the right.
3: like the may, squat
0: yes, they may, may actually shift towards their right side as they descend because you, oh, well, you're, the you're
3: getting the other outlet to open in that situation.
0: So you're getting the right out you're getting the right push your outlet to open so they're going to they're going to move in the direction of expansion simple rule day one
3: intensive first hour okay why would that why would that move them left no not left, left to the right
0: oh you're, you're saying the squat would
3: also reinforce the move
0: yes <laughs> like like, I, like i'm trying to do this without a table test for you and yeah. for everybody else that doesn't do table tests it's like oh i see them squat and i see the i see the pelvis the 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 posterior outlet um, expands and they shift into that right side as they descend into the squat. It's like, oh, there's my, there's my cue. It's like, okay, now I got to turn them. Right. Right. Okay. Now question for you, what would, so there's a lot of people that will squat, um, and, and they will appear to shift to the right. Okay. And it's, and it's something that would be indicative of the fact that um, we don't really like that type of a squat because um, it would be um, also indicative of the fact that they're lacking um, hip IR on that right side. So I can have two shifts that that are similar in description because people say it's a right shift. How would you know that you that you have recaptured the the hip IR? So you get you get the sacral. Uh, or you get the you pusher allied expansion, they shift in that direction, but how do you know
3: I get the right one versus the wrong one? Um, the pelvis would not shift forwards on the right side and the weight would not shift toward the toes and then it would stay a little bit more within the base of support.
0: Boom, there you go. It's inside the base of support, okay? The,
3: the bad one is kind of like.
0: Okay, so, so here's what you're going to see on the bad one. You're going to see an increase in anterior orientation on the right side. You're going to see an increased compressive strategy in the posterior lower or or lateral rib cage as the substitution for the IR as they try to descend. And the pelvis will try to scoot outside of the base of support, and they will lose their medial foot contacts. You see
3: it? Yeah.
0: So this is why you got to be careful when you're describing the so-called right shift in a squat to to whomever, because they are not always the same. One can be a representation of, I just recaptured what I was trying to do, it's time to turn them. The other one is, I didn't recapture the the medial foot contact that I wanted in the first place. You see it? Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Very big deal. Like being able to tell the difference between the two. And then this, this saves you from having to throw them back on the table. Cool? Very cool. Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is perfect. All right, a very busy Tuesday coming up. We're gonna dig straight into today's Q and A. This is the back end of a conversation, so it's relatively short video. Um, it's the back end of a conversation. We're looking at a relationship between uh, a foot and pelvis. And the, the key element here is that when we talk about the foot on the ground, as soon as we make that ground contact, we're starting to apply an rotation into the ground. And so it's how we demonstrate that internal rotation that's going to give us clues as to what type of a compensatory strategy that we're going to be using, what type of adaptations that we can expect, and so, so we can use this foot as a view of how the system is behaving. And so so again, it's a very, very short video. It's the back end of a conversation that was much longer, um, but it's gonna have a little sliver of gold in there for you as to how we see this interpretation going into the ground, why we would see certain adaptations and where you're gonna see certain adaptations. So uh, I believe this is Ian and Paul contributing um, to, the, to, this, to this video, so, so thank you guys for your help. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: That would make sense with the with the with the pelvis uh, A to P dimensions because the people who bend the calcaneus have more A to P dimensions versus the people who who get the subtalar axis and the really E R to I R bend. They really they skip the I R quick and land the ir way forward in front of the uh, it's,
0: it's, again so so i can land it through the calcaneus i can land it through the talus i can land it or... right in front of the i can ran, land it through the midfoot i can land it through the through the forefoot right yeah I have about... to put a, like boom 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 like it's it's going from it's going from back to front
2: yeah got i it. land
0: i land here i got to get ir superimposed on the
1: foot yeah 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 Understood. structure
0: structure determines where that's gonna be.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Understood. Clear. Get it. it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good.
0: Paul, you okay? (laughs) That was a heavy one. Good question. So, so, hey, Paul. (laughs) Just so you you understand, everything that we just talked about about is normal, okay? All of this happens all of the time. The question mark is a matter of degree, right? The longer I apply IR in one place, that's where you start to see the adaptations take place. But all of this is happening, like everything that we just talked about is a normal representation. The bones do this every time you take a step forward, just a matter of degree as to where and when and how much. That's all we're trying to figure out. And it's like, that's why the foot representation becomes so powerful for us because it tells us, it's like, oh, I know the strategy that you're using from back to front when you land. Like, okay, where do I have an early representation? Okay, cool. Then I usually have a pretty good looking foot because I have the normal representation of IR superimposed on you. If I got a goofy looking foot, that's somebody that's applying IR into the ground with a prolonged strategy in that area. Simple, right? That's like, the simple part. The complex part is dealing with humans.
1: Yeah. And all the iterations. Just, that was the first time I heard you go through the foot with that much level of detail. So that was awesome.
2: I'm good.